Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. I almost hate to use the word educational. Charles Staley. And uh, I failed phys ed and English all the way through high school. Phil Stevens. I guess I'm kind of the, uh, the dark horse here. And Rob Fortress Fortney. But there really is no secret. Thanks for listening. Welcome, Iron Radio listeners. This is ironradio.org. I'm Robert Fortress Fortney, former editor at Muscle Mag, former competitive bodybuilder, and uh, strength enthusiast, uh, powerlifting competitor. And welcome aboard, everybody. Charles Staley, creator of Escal- Escalating Density Training, uh, author of Muscle Logic. Uh, and maybe as of tomorrow, a semi-powerlifting competitor. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> uh, this is Phil Stevens, strength coach um, and strength athlete. I guess you know, strongman, powerlifting, Highland Games. I'm kind of doing it all now. Um, a little bit of everything, and you know, premier scientist who uh, discovered <laughs> fibromangina as well. So. Um, and today with us, we have Brian Cavanaugh from Clear Across the Pond in Ireland. Brian, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, sir. Yeah. Um, just tell, we were talking about how the, how the weather, weather's probably wonderful compared to over there today. But, uh, anyways, for people that don't know, uh, Brian is a fat loss expert and physique transform, transformation specialist, speaker, and co-author of the athletic body system and athletic physique. Uh, he has a CSCS and a bachelor's in health and human performance from Dublin City University. He's the co-owner of the Abs Gym in Dublin, Ireland with uh, Ian and is uh, black belt in Taekwondo and has been boxing for the past five years competitively. Um, he, he's competed internationally in over 20 different countries. Uh, you can find more about Brian on his website. There's about 15 of them, but we'll go into uh, it's briancavanaugh.com, B-R-Y-A-N. K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H dot com and www.athleticbodysystems.com. Ryan, I'm sure I missed a few things, but I hope I covered some of the highlights and I'm sure we can get into anything else as we go here. That's plenty. I'll let you away with that. Yeah. Um, and just so listeners know, he's like 5,000 miles away, so we do have a bit of a delay. That's why I kind of delayed response here. But, um just kind of something we always go into. What what first got you into training? I mean, were you into athlete, athletics as a kid? I noticed you've been like doing black belt and taekwondo for for five years. Well, I started with um, with taekwondo when I was six, and then I stayed with that until I was about eleven or twelve, and I left then for a year or two. But when I came back, obviously everybody was a little bit bigger than me and whatever. So actually, um, I came back and I started competing, and I started competing straight away. But what I didn't realize was a lot of the, the other competitors were getting trained and um, had coaches and things like that, had strength and conditioning coaches. This is when we were only 14 or 15. And my very first fight then, I actually got beat up. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened was then, <laughs> yeah. so what happened was then I, I, I found out why I got beat up. was because the guys were a lot stronger than me. So, so I went and done my own research. And this is a 14 or 15-year-old um young guy doing research into nutrition and strength and conditioning and, and then I really just I started to enjoy it and I started to kinda of go um learning it myself and I ended up um kind of training myself for years and I ended up finding that guy again that beat me up and then I beat him up. So that was my start in um start on training nutrition and um and that kinda of developed into um 
I was one of the youngest people in Ireland to do the NSCA CPT, which uh, they're aware of that over there. So, like, but I, I actually I done it before. I was actually eighteen, and I, I got certified obviously then when I turned eighteen. And I, I was personal trainer for a couple of years, and then I like I just decided that I wanted to um, go a little more in depth. So I ended up doing a bachelor of science and in um, Dublin City University. So um, after, after the bachelor of science, and I just um, I just flourished from there. I just kept going, and um, and here I am basically. <laughs> And then you moved to boxing from there. I mean, is that more of your uh, emphasis now, or are you still doing the taekwondo? Well, I, I still like do my own bit of training in the taekwondo. I haven't competed um, in the two years. I was, I was, I had a good run. I won a couple, of, a good few fights in a row, and then I just wanted to kind of um, focus on the boxing because I was doing both boxing and taekwondo, and then trying to lift at the same time, and it was too much. So I was, um, so I just said that I'll give boxing a go. And I'll put taekwondo on the back burner. Yeah. So after after I done that, I started to do, to do better at the boxing. Then obviously because I was getting technically better at it, and um, then I, I ended up competing for Ireland a good few times in boxing as well. So I, I enjoyed that as well. Now I have every intention of going back to taekwondo. I still I still do my training. I still keep myself fit and keep, keep my flexibility up and things like that. You know. So um, I have every intention of going back, and I was actually thinking of going back for the summer because the boxing season is over. At the moment, so I'm still going back just to get me a little bit of um, conditioning work in, you know. I gotta ask because it's such a big deal now, and, and you've kind of got boxing experience and martial arts experience. Any thought of ever jumping into MMA? I've been asked to go into MMA a couple of times. People are always putting that question to me because my because of like good hands and my legs at the moment probably wouldn't be the greatest, but I could I could bring them back up to where they were, you know. And, so I'd have a good stand-up game, and because I'm, like, I'd be fairly, I'd be physically strong for my size or whatever. I, I, I reckon I'd have a good. If once I learned the tech, technical end of things on the ground, I, I, I could see myself being pretty good at it. But again, that's um, um that's speculation. I have to actually see what I'm like. Get arm barred and get the head knocked off me if I try it, you know. So I'd have to kind of um, see if I get on training wise first, you know. But I, I, it's something that I would look into maybe later on, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's a whole nother sport to take up. You got you got to pick your battle for sure. Um, so your athletic background this this directly led to you training your clients and how you trained your clients then. Well, that's uh, that's I, I train every uh, all my clients like athletes. You know, I I coach them and train them like as, as if they were competing for something. You know, it's just you have to do it like that. Otherwise, like if you constantly focus on aesthetics. You're never going to get anywhere, you know. We always we yeah. always focus on the performance of the client, you know, how they're performing physically and how they and and like because if there's going to be performance increases, there has to be aesthetic. Even if you can't visually see them, there is there is muscular differences, there is fat loss differences. There has to be. There can't. There is no way. There cannot be. You know. So we always focus on performance first and then aesthetics afterwards because the aesthetics will come. You know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's definitely. I know Charles, myself, and and most of the coaches we talk to are, are much like that. Um. One thing I'd love to talk more about, and this can kind of turn into a pre-topic of the day, is, um, you know, you say you prefer to be called a coach as opposed to a personal trainer. I'd like to, all of us to go a bit more into this, and maybe you can define, maybe each of us can define what it means to, uh, what the two terms mean. What does a personal trainer, that that, that term say to you as opposed to coach? Well, look, a personal trainer, like, would, it would only kind of, sound to me like somebody who's going to put somebody through a training session, you know, 
Whereas a coach is somebody who kind of who helps somebody win, depending on what their goal is. So if they have a goal to lose fast, like it's, it really it should really have a kind of a competition, and they want to win that competition, you know. So that's that's the way I'd I'd, I'd look at it. No matter who I'm working with, it wouldn't matter if it was a 21 year old um, guy looking to gain muscle, or if it was a 60 year old woman to lose fast. I'd would set goals and make it make it a competition, and then help them win that competition, you know. Yeah. Um, I know Charles is probably itching to say something on this, but I mean, I know one of the things that we that we talk about is we're educators first. As a coach, you're an educator first, and then and then you're a trainer. Charles, go ahead. Open, open up yeah. the can of worms. I don't know. I mean, that's, what do you call yourself? I don't know. I, I call myself a sherpa. I'll call myself a sherpa. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm someone. I, I'm someone who will impose my enthusiasm on you until you give up and do what you need to be doing. So I don't know. Um, <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, you know, you know, we always say at our facility, Bed and Barbell, people don't. You'll get a workout, but people don't come to get a workout. I mean, that's, you know, they they come to learn, and uh, so I, I think the learning aspect of it is is big. So I always think of myself as a teacher, honestly. Yeah, a teacher as opposed to a trainer. I mean, I think one of the big ones that we talked about lately is that. Uh, I don't know uh, what was it. Uh, a monkey can make you exhausted. You know, a coach makes you better. Yeah. yeah. Uh, our think, job is not to make you come in and puke and exhaust you. And also, there's um, it's kind of funny in in the in the strength sports. There's a difference between being somebody who directs your training, which can be called a coach, and somebody who handles you on the platform, uh, which is something that Phil does very well, actually. So there's a there's a difference between those two as well. Yeah. Brian, I know you're big into accountability strategies. Um, I'd love to hear more on some of this. Maybe some of the methods you use. How do you how do you keep your your clients accountable? Is it very positive feedback? Is it you know what, what do we do here? Oh, like I, I actually um, I've a number of different accountability strategies. Um, initially, when clients come in, they like immediately they have we we set goals. Um, we have a, a training commitment and nutrition questionnaire straight away immediately the second they come in the door. Even if they had no training in the past and making write down everything they're currently doing. Um, we do full body assessment no matter who it is. We do a performance assessment again no matter who it is. We might have to, you know, um, change the different, any tests or like that. So there's somebody that's just playing not capable of doing something, but we we'd always assess everybody the second they come in the door in, in, in some form, you know, and something that's repeatable and something that they can set goals with afterwards. Um I even go as far as making um bets with my clients. Um I had one guy who came in who well I I bet them that they're going to get to a certain level or a certain um you know, I'd make I'd make it like one example is one of my clients and and since he's a very good friend of mine now, he he came in and November, I think it was, and he and he bet me that, like he, like well, I'd made a bet with him saying that like he he couldn't do one chin up, a single chin up, and um, his goal was he wanted to be able to do chin ups, and I said, right, in in twelve weeks you'll be able to do ten chin ups with ease, and I just 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 as a I just randomly said, oh well, and it wasn't even twelve weeks, it was ten weeks or something like that, and I said, I'll get you an, an extra chin up a week, I think it was initially, uh-huh. and. I literally, I, I bet him all of the money that he'd paid for training. Like at the time, he was coming in maybe once, maybe twice a week. Like he wasn't even coming in that often. But I'd program him for the days that he wasn't training with me. Yeah. So then, of course, 
testing day came, and um, I I bet him that he'd do the tension in, and I brought all the money that he paid me since November in, and um, I bet him that he'd do ten and surely enough, he done eleven. You know, so <laughs> the likes of that. <laughs> no, of that, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I've talked to somebody else that did that, and. You know, bet their clients' money. And the good thing is, I mean, sure, maybe you lost, maybe you lost a, a few weeks worth of pay, but you just gained a client for a lifetime, most likely. I don't know. Let's see, I, I bet him that he would do tension up, so I didn't lose any money. But if oh, he didn't okay. get tension, I had to give him all <laughs> oh, of Oh, yeah, yeah, back. good, good, yeah, for sure. But he done yeah, more than, he done more than enough, so I didn't have to give him a penny. Yeah, good, good deal, yeah. Nice. <laughs> And there was another another client actually. I bet I made the same bet with him that he'd do ten chin-ups. He couldn't do one either. He's actually a he's a he's an international level badminton player. This guy, and he's very tall and kind of kind of awkward. But and he couldn't do one chin-up. And I told him that for every chin-up less than ten, he don't I had to give him fifty euros. Or for every chin-up more than ten, he had to give like I had to give him fifty euros. So whatever way it worked out, I was going to lose unless he got exactly 10 chin-ups. So he had to work to get more than 10, or it was my fault if he got less than 10. Gotcha. And then I had to give him 50 euro for every 5 kilograms less than his body weight when, his, when he was doing a test in his bench press. I think his bench press was only 40 kilos, which is about 90 pounds when he came in the door first. And I told him that he would bench his body weight by the next testing date. I told him to the bench his body weight, so he had to more or less double his bench press in that space of time. So I was gonna, I was gonna lose a loser straight away, but I just had a big head about it. I was very arrogant, and I said, <laughs> "I'll give you fifty euro for every chin, chin up more than ten or less than ten, and I'll give you fifty euros for every five kilograms that you do more than your body weight, or for every five kilograms you do less than your body weight." So he ended up doing ten and three quarter chin ups, so I didn't have to give him any money on that one, and then. He ended up he ended up benching eighty two point five kilograms and he weighed eighty seven point five kilograms. So I had to give him fifty euros for that one, but it was well worth my bet. Yeah, <laughs> I lost that one. <laughs> no, I mean I think the resounding theme <laughs> too he, is he still doubled his bench press though. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. I think the resounding theme too is you're using a lot of positive impact. There's not. I mean I think that's huge. Instead of uh, you know it's a reward system. Which I know we've been we've been big on positive enforcement and and rewards as opposed to punishment seems to work you know much better. This has been a resounding theme for like five guests in a row, I think. But yeah, I mean we we kind of do much the same thing, and I think a lot of your your best coaches do. Fortress, what is best in life? If you need a break from listening to these barbarians and you want to read something intellectual, check out the library at www.ironradio.org. The feature article this month is about a conference that took place in Canada, an exercise physiology conference, where the researchers were literally trying to answer questions like the optimal number of sets and intensity for maximal protein synthesis and muscle growth. There's other juicy material there like the effects of cortisol and adding more fat cells to your physique over time, how women recover better than men, and tons more. So if you're interested in reading as well as listening, 
check out www.ironradio.org and our article library. Thanks. So you're partners with Ian. You, this is your chance, man. You can bag him on air. You got anything bad to say about him? <laughs> he was in a bad humor earlier on. I want to pull him on that as well. He wouldn't tell me why. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go he has to tell yeah. me why he was in a bad humor earlier on I think he got out at the wrong side of the bed oh his fibromyalgia is flaring up he's probably been dieting too long yeah he has sand in his vagina I think yeah yeah <laughs> he needs a sandwich and a beer <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you guys got up well, and coming I know, I know he's... He's... go ahead no, I was just gonna say no. Yeah, like I know he's. I let him away with it because the whole the gym itself would fall apart if he wasn't there. So because I'm a really messy person by nature, whereas he's the opposite. He's really clean and tidy and stuff like that. And we're like we're complete opposites when it comes to um, organization and cleanliness. I'm not organized at all. I don't have a clue how to organize myself. Whereas Ian, he compliments me, so I'll have, so I'll, I'll hand him. I'll give him that much. I'll compliment him on air and I'll diss him on air as well. So I'll do both. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, I know you guys. It, it hasn't been that long since your your new place opened. Um, just kind of want to fill everybody out on anything up and coming with you guys. Any you guys got anything new in the fold? You yourself? Well, we're we're re-releasing the athletic body system. Like you know, we have the athlete physique program out at the moment, but um, we had athletic body system out for about a year and a half. But we just we decided to restructure it and really go in deep into it and make it a kind of a coaching program as opposed to just a training program. You know, we have a lot of video coaching in it. We have uh, really kind of, we we pulled out all the stops and really put a lot of work into the, the new, the athletic body system with ABS 2.0. But it's, um, it's a, we're putting a lot of work into it. And we have, we have that coming out soon. And we have um, clinics going on where we kind of, we educate people on training and nutrition and lifestyle management and things like that. We've got clinics coming up now and I think in, Two weeks as well, which we're gonna um, film as well and release that as um, kind of a, a video kind of product as well and stuff like that. Like we have a few things in the in the pipeline as well, you know. And the, the gym itself, the personal training studio is going very well. As, so everything's it's all good. Good. Everybody can check that out, of course, at www.athleticbodysystems.com. Um, like you said, that new release. When do you guys expect that to come out? They'll be coming out on the 1st of July, the new, the abs 2.0. Like at the moment, if you go to athleticbodysystem.com, it's the old, it's the old program. But anybody who buys Athletic Body System, like they automatically get abs 2.0 for free charge. So, um, like, so it doesn't really make any, and all the past, um, all our past customers will get it for um, free of charge as well, you know. So, um, it's, it's all good. Like you know, we've got a lot of positive feedback about some of the programs that we've given out. We've we have a few guinea pigs training using the system as well at the moment, and it's it's doing well. You know. Good. We're going to go ahead and move on to the topic. I think we might have two of them today. We'll just kind of briefly touch on one and then move to the other. I'm going to hit the music and then uh, we'll go from there.
Um, the, the first topic that kind of everybody knows about here is we had a, a, a listener question come in via email from a gentleman named Matt, and he had a kind of a side topic he wanted us to touch upon, and that is our approach to alcohol. Uh, whether you cut it completely um, and how, how you find it affects your performance or gains and so forth. Um, so I don't know, Rob. This came into you. Let's let's just start with you. You've been kind of quiet over there. Yeah. Um, you know, it's one of those things where on one side I don't have a lot to say because, um, despite the fact that some of you might not believe me, I've actually never been drunk in my life, so I don't know. But I, th- from what I observe, and I've, I've, you know, for years I worked as a doorman part time and stuff like that. I've certainly observed a lot of inebriated people. I think the, I think the kind of the, the um, quote unquote culture of alcohol and alcohol consumption is um, probably more of the problem towards um, you know an, an athlete than than is the actual alcohol itself. Of course, I'm talking you know in exclusion of people who abuse alcohol and drink like you know gallons of the stuff. But um, I, I, again, I think it's kind of more the culture of alcohol um, being that um, in, in as much that. Um, that culture seems to be, you know, late nights at um, clubs, um, you know, um, lack of sleep that results in, um, the, the, in pro- probably a lot of missed meals <laughs> that could have been had, you know, um, had it not been for the fact that it's for several hours people were just, you know, partying up and drinking alcohol. Um, of course, you can also talk um, in a bodybuilding context about the kind of just the um, unwanted calories and that kind of thing that um, that goes with it. Yeah. What do you think? Um, for me, I mean, I can, uh, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I've been to both ends of the spectrum. I've, I've tied some on before and <laughs> for many days in a row. Um, I'm going to touch on this both from say, you know, maybe a, uh, a physique aspect aspect and a performance aspect. I mean, I can say that when I was 300 and whatever odd pounds I was and, uh, then dropped down within four months to 215, um, I was still pretty much drinking like a fish. So, I mean, I think it, I changed from freaking beer to whiskey. But uh, if you just want to get lean, you know, you can drink and do it. I mean, you need to adjust your food and whatnot. And, you know, I would switch from beer to to something that has less carbs and whatnot. But, I mean, if that's your only aspect, but, I mean, it's not, it's not going to be healthy for you. And it's not going to, you know, the performance aspect-wise, it's not doing you any favors at all. Um, personally, yeah, now, to, go ahead. I was going to say, isn't it true to say, and again, I mean, I, I'm no scientist, I don't know, but isn't there aspects of like beer and um, that are close to estrogen, and also isn't um, just alcohol, hard alcohol in general, uh, detrimental to testosterone levels? Um, does yeah, anybody yeah, know that? Yeah. Okay. Unfortunately, we don't have yeah. money here. For sure. And then the other aspect is, you know, most people, they balloon up when, you know, my big deal, when I was 320 pounds, I was putting away a liter of whiskey, a 12-pack of beer, and then we'd order pizza. <laughs> you know, so that's, those, it seems those things go together a lot. Um, and the problem is the minute you have alcohol in your system, I mean, your body kind of sees it as a poison, and it has to burn those calories before it ever touches the other calories. You guys are pussies. You guys are pussies. <laughs> Anything you ingest is going to be stored away. I mean, now for me, I mean, I can go out a couple nights a week and have a drink or two. And, you know, I, it doesn't affect my performance at all. I mean, I would not tell any athlete to go out and tie one on and expect to to perform well. 
on a, on a consistent basis. I mean, sure, go out and, you know, let your tie out and, and, and enjoy a drink, but I mean, you're not doing yourself any favors by going out and, and tying one on at any given time. And I don't know any person, any athlete that would tell you different. You know, there's no one going to sit here and, and sugarcoat it and tell you, yeah, it's great for you. It's going to help you, your deadlifts go up 50 pounds if you go out and get schnockered. So, I mean, if you enjoy a drink every I now and again, it's not loose, fine. It's always been the feminizing attributes of, of things like beer and that that has um, been one of the many reasons why I've kind of avoided it. But uh, I do want to clarify that my previous statement about never having been drunk doesn't mean to imply as you're, t- as you're saying, Phil, that um, that you know, like I'm anti-alcohol. I, I, guess, I suppose yeah. I'm anti-abuse of alcohol. Exactly. Um, and certainly, again, when you're looking at it from the from the perspective of an athlete, um, I, I don't really suppose there's too much advantage to, to drinking at all. Um, but again, having said that, you know, I mean, if somebody, like you say, wants to go out and uh, you know enjoy a few beers or a drink or something, I, I certainly don't yeah. think that's that's going to be ultimately a problem. But um, certainly, the overconsumption of it. Probably will, and as I was saying initially, um, to get too kind of steeped in the whole culture of alcohol, and I, I think we all know what I'm kind of talking about with that. I think that certainly the lifestyle of that is probably more harmful than the alcohol itself. But I mean, as it goes, that culture is kind of part and parcel of of kind of leaving leaving a lifestyle like that. You know, a lot of clubbing and a lot of partying and and that type of thing. I, I think I think that's probably more harmful than the alcohol itself. Just again, in the fact that you know you're probably probably going to be missing meals that you should be eating instead of, you know, drinking and, and unwanted calories and um, probably, like, you know, mixing up your sleep and bad sleeping hours and staying up too late and, and these types of things and certainly being hungover the next morning probably when you might be having to train or, like you said, Phil, your body would be better served spending energy trying to, you know, um, rehab itself from your previous session rather than trying to, you know, clear the system out of this this essentially what is a poison yeah, and I mean the dehydration and everything else. I mean there are studies out there lately that even you know beer, you know the people that have a beer a day, it's it's good for them. People that have a, a glass of wine or two, but it's it's another one of those things that more isn't always better. Uh, Brian, I'd love to get your kind of uh, input here. Yeah. I know Ireland, Ireland's known for uh, their drinking. I mean it's the home of Guinness and Jamesons and Schmidtics and got everything else. Now I'm drunk at the moment. <laughs> no, but like my my stance on the alcohol thing would be, I mean, like, like I was gonna say, I drink, but it sounds like I'm an alcoholic. Then when I say it like that, but um, I I do say like moderation is key, you know. Yeah. Um, I I agree with you on on moderation thing. Um, like I mean, at the other end of the thing, like I've I've competed with athletes at international competitions. Like with the team, well, I'm not going to name any names, but like we've gone out, competed on a Saturday, and gone out Saturday night, and we'd have to compete on a Sunday. And to be honest, like people are complaining before they got, but maybe fighting is a different sport because when you when you get in the ring, like the adrenaline gets going, and you completely forget you were out the night before because somebody's punching you in the face, you know. So, um, <laughs> but <laughs> the um. Like the performance thing, like is a definite. If you're really, really drunk the day before, you'll be dehydrated. Your brain yeah. won't work. Um, you, you, your reaction speed will be down. Like 
But I mean, like, I'm in saying that, and I can't explain it either, but some of my um, PDs have been um, the night after a night out, or the, the morning after a night out. I can't explain it. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not advocating alcohol like, for, for performance increases, but, like, like even as a junior, um, I used to compete um, shooting, like, um, clay pigeon shooting with shotguns. And I was pretty good, but like as a junior, as you can see, I wasn't I wasn't very disciplined. So I used to go out and I'd get drunk on a Saturday night, and I'd have a competition on the Sunday morning. Maybe it was like because I was it was a distraction, or maybe you know, I was just about to, I was just about to interject uh, there, and there might be some attribute there of of like you say a relaxation or kind of a um, a diversion away from maybe overstressing about you know the, the the physical task at hand the next day that that might um, you know contribute to on personal best, as you're saying, or something like that. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. I was saying, like, it's like I was saying, maybe maybe it's because my inhibitions were non-existent at the time, or my inhibitions, like, because like I've I've I shot better, and like shooting is all about concentration. It's maybe because there was less things going on in my head that I shot I shot better. <laughs> like, you know, I was, I was, yeah. my head is clearer maybe sometimes, but other yeah. times, obviously, I've done really badly. I don't mean that. I don't mean like I wasn't hungover, but I'd had a few drinks the day before, so maybe I was still a little bit inebriated, and it kind of calmed my brain down as opposed to actually inhibited my performance. If that makes any sense. But again, I'm not suggesting everybody goes out and gets drunk, and then if you have a competition tomorrow, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm there too. It's it's moderation is key, and I know that. I mean, I think since I, you know, I've gone through phases where I've, I've drank a lot and then I just quit for a couple of years and then I drink again. And I mean, I think the relaxation of being able to go out and just, you know, go out with friends, have one or two, have a relaxing night out. I mean, I think that's, I've seen a lot of people, especially in the physique field, that stress so much about, about what they're about food and about not doing this, not doing this, not doing this, that they're so stressed about it that if they just relaxed a little, they'd actually make better progress. And, you know, as long as they're not going out and eating four pizzas and drinking a 12 pack, then, then they're going to be okay. I mean, heck, uh, I just competed in one of my, my first B class Island games and the resounding theme that the winners in every class were the ones out there drinking on the field. It's the only sport I know that, you know, they just advocate drinking while you're throwing. But <laughs> <laughs> Right. You know, I'd like, to, I'd like to make a point again as a, as a guy who, you know, spent several years a long time ago, you know, as a, working as a doorman. I, I've seen a lot of guys injure themselves while inebriated. And, I, and amongst those, I've seen quite a few muscular guys who clearly work out um, to what capacity and for what sport, I don't know, but who have really hurt themselves being drunk. I mean, and I'm not even talking about, like, legal aspects of punching somebody's face in or something when you <clears throat> would have exercised better, you know, um, responsibility yeah. if you've not been inebriated. But, I mean, you know, I've, I've actually seen people break their hands and stuff. And, I mean, it, it, it goes without saying that the stronger you are, um, the more likelihood you have to probably break something if you hit something. Uh, oh, especially. Yeah. Especially if you're inebriated and you're not, you know, throwing a, a proper punch or something, as our guest probably knows what I'm talking about. I mean, and I've seen it happen before, and, and clearly in the in the bodybuilding realm, there's countless stories over the years of guys, um, professional bodybuilders and so forth, hurting themselves doing things. I remember one. I can, I, I think I can safely say, because um, it was, you know, it was it was public consumption.
years ago that Chris Cormier, um, professional bodybuilder, I don't, I don't know if he's even still competing, but he was a doorman at, at a nightclub in L.A. on the Sunset Strip that was renowned for several of those guys of that kind of era, um, bouncing at. I think Flex Wheeler was there and those types of guys. But I remember uh, Chris Cormier having a story where he actually broke his hand several times in a club, um, going to work kind of drunk or whatever he was doing, or and you know and throwing a punch and hitting something and you know whether it be somebody's face or you know corner of a wall. And, you know, when you're 275 pounds of muscle, you know, and you're throwing a punch and you're not, like I said, you're not really, you know, focused in on doing something properly, you're, you're probably going to smash something. So, um, Oh, yeah, it stopped his inhibitions and allowed him to just nail the hell out of a wall. It's not a good thing. Yeah, I mean, not to mention the fact that, I mean, obviously, again, you know, if you're a very large, very powerful individual, probably the best thing to do is not to be out of control, you know, of your person, uh, you know, of your... Yeah. Behavior, because I mean, again, your your likelihood of actually causing damage, whether it be physical damage to a, a person or, you know, to a, a structure. I mean, you, you can get a lot of trouble with that. You know, I mean, I mean, if you're a 250, 300 pound muscular, powerful power lifter, strongman, whatever, you know, and yeah. you lose your inhibitions with alcohol. Or a martial artist. Yeah, oh, you're a mar- exactly. You're a martial artist or whatever like that. I mean, <laughs> you can do you can reverse it. You know, and you wake up the next day in the drunk tank and you're thinking, well, you know, like, what the hell did I do? And you find out you crack some guy's skull open or something. I mean, I think with great power and strength and all these types of things, I mean, it's it's kind of like the Spider-Man thing, right? With great power comes great responsibility. But, you know, and I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's true with physical power. You know, again, whether, you know, you're a expert fighter or you just have superior size and strength, I mean... You know, if you have that power, you have to exercise a certain amount of responsibility. And if you know that you're, you know, a mean drunk or a um, out of control drunk, or you know, you're just an angry drunk, or or again, you're just one of these kind of guys who drinks too much and kind of doesn't really, you know, remember what he's done or what you're going to do, then I, I think you really need to, you know, focus in on that and, you know, be responsible. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there was just a story that came out like two weeks ago that Charles sent over to me. Some MMA fighter in California, he was all jacked up on several substances and just went crazy, and he ended up ripping. He he reached inside the chest cavity of his training partner and tore him out and ripped his limbs off and cooked them. <laughs> That's kidding, kind right? of an extreme case. No, it's real. Extreme. <laughs> Are you and, uh, oh my God. But I think I think the the theme for Matt, or what, I think that was our guest name, it's, you know, I think it's been proven time and time and time again over the centuries that if you go out and have a drink or two, it's not going to kill your your performance. I mean, if it did, we wouldn't have NFL or NBA or Major League Baseball or boxing. Yeah. Because 99% of these guys, yeah. are, they're not totally cutting out. They're going out having a drink or two. And, hell, some of them are tying, tying it on pretty often. I mean, I wouldn't suggest that. But I don't think you need to sweat going out with your friends and having a couple cocktails. No, I would, I would, I would say the same thing. Yeah. As long as again you're cognizant of all these things that we're talking about, right? I mean, if you put yeah. all everything that's being discussed into kind of a blender, you know, of your own kind of personal proclivities and tendencies as a as a human being, and you kind of you know weigh it out, you know, the the cost to benefit, and then then make you know an, an adult mature you know decision based on on those types of things, and I think you're probably not going to run into too many snags. And um, again, it's going to be. Yeah, when you, if when you, you want to get into numbers, I mean, I if you want to get into numbers and you're actually trying to put on weight, I mean, you could make a case for like following up that large pizza with two beers <laughs> to allow all those calories to go to storage <laughs> and, and and not being burnt. 
You know, I mean, to play devil's advocate, because then that alcohol is going to be being burnt first, and all those calories from that pizza are going to be going to other things. Just a reminder for the ironradio.org summer contest and giveaway, it's called Nutrition Stories. Win some very nice university nutrition textbooks and get smarter than your training partner. These are new, colorful, cool textbooks, not dusty old nutritional biochem texts, although some of us like those too. About $50 to $100 value each. We're going to give away at least one in June and one in July. To enter, it's easy. Call Fortress, and for June, we're going to ask that you describe your worst nutritional blunder or experience and what was wrong with it or how you corrected it. You just call 206-203-3798 and leave a voicemail for Rob. Uh, If you'd like it read on air, just give Fortress permission to do so. Uh, nothing too personal, please. Uh, and he'll read it on the air. At month's end, uh, Fortress will then choose the best story in his subjective opinion. So again, just call 206-203-3798 and tell Rob about your worst nutritional blunder or experience and either what was wrong with it or how you fixed it. Good luck. So... Uh, <laughs> Rob, uh, we got 20 minutes. Do we want to go into the other topic, or? Um, yeah, I, th- I think we could touch upon it, and I mean, we can yeah. do a two-parter if we we find that you know we're, we're running with ideas and we run out of time. We could probably just uh, continue this because I'm sure Lonnie might have something to say about it anyway. So the next time he's yeah. going to show me what we might want to resurrect it, just for that reason alone. Sounds good. Roll with it then. Okay. Well, I mean, the, the topic was. Because I once heard it said um, by a musician, actually, and of course I've kind of, you know, um, put it across all different aspects of, of my life, you know. The whole thing about, you know, before you can break the rules, you kind of have to know what they are. Um, and certainly all of us have, have seen in the gym countless examples over the years, probably daily, um, guys who probably more by just ignorance rather than design, um, you know, are breaking all sorts of quote-unquote rules. And, and I understand also that, that the, that's a flimsy kind of thing. But certainly there are, you know, um, rules to weight training, certainly as it applies to, you know, anatomical positioning and mechanics and so forth. Um, but, you know, with it, within the gut, within the, between the lines of, of those are nuanced for, you know, kind of what I like to term like, you know, um, body English or kind of, you know, um, uh, adjusting things slightly away from what would be maybe considered by by some people, like you know, textbooks and so forth. But I mean, you see so often guys who have no clue about the rules, you know, yeah. as I'm kind of describing of weight training, but yet they're constantly breaking them. And, and again, that's more from just sheer ignorance than it is by design. Um, certainly, in the context of this argue, uh, of this discussion, it's the whole thing of um, if you know the rules and how they are, then and you've got considerable experience under your belt for weight training and the aspects of it, um, I think you probably then have license to kind of, um, you know, have, you know, make nuance to to your personal um, way you do a movement or things that you do in your program. That, but but I find that a lot of guys also who don't know what they're doing will watch a more advanced seasoned guy do something like this. And then they'll think, oh, that's how I should do it. But they don't realize that this, you know, this advanced trainer is doing it again by design and not by, you know, some sort of fluke or, or and it's not necessarily something you would prescribe to somebody who's, a, you know, a newbie. I think it's a great topic. 
You know, I think I've always thought, you know, one purpose of these rules, or if you want to call them conventions, maybe, or rituals, or whatever, is, uh, you know, you're you're supposed to learn something from it, you know? So, you know, for example, uh, uh, one possible rule might be, and I've always recommended to people if if they need to get their nutrition in shape to keep a, 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 a nutrition journal. So you can think of that as a rule. And in the process of doing that, I think there's a lot you learn. You learn a lot about the composition of food and, uh, you know, what types of foods have how much calories and so forth and so on. But I think right. once you get to a certain point and you've learned what you need to learn from, from that rule, I think you can, you can, uh, dis, uh, uh, dis, dis, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You can discard that, that, that rule because, and then, you, you know, you hold on to what you've learned. So, I mean, even today, I could take almost any type of food or plate of food or any food item, and I could give you a very a very accurate estimate of the of the calories and protein and carbohydrate and uh, and fat. And I'm sure you guys could as well. And uh, and that that comes from the days when I kept a food journal. And I don't need to keep that journal anymore because I've learned the lesson from from doing it. So there's my contribution, you know, to to that. There's a lot of examples of this. Yeah, no, but those are great, great examples for sure. Um, yeah, and I mean, I just like the whole thing where, you know, you don't really have the right to kind of um, experiment, as it were, too, too much, I think, when you're when you're a new guy to weight training or, or anything in general. I mean, I, I think you really do need to kind of try as best as possible to kind of learn things as close to what would be considered textbook or, as you say, Charles, you know, conventions of, you know, traditional weight training. Um, before you kind of branch out, I mean, it seems to me that even even in the concept of guys who are like you know who's it, it seems strange to me because again this was this is not my history. People who just start as a you know start as a bodybuilder or start as a powerlifter or start to me weight training in general is just something that you know I mean you really shouldn't specify you should you need a groundwork right and and part of that groundwork again is just educating yourself of the conventions of weight training um you know correct anatomical positions you know um general generalized theories on you know how a specific movement should be performed for safety and for you know for most benefit hey Ron, let me let, let me let me let me take a twist on this topic okay and okay. we'll put a fine point on this uh why don't we all share Rules that that we advocate for others that we disregard ourselves. How's that one? Okay, sure. <laughs> and I'll yeah, start. I can, I can... I'll start to give you guys some time since I just jumped this on you guys. But uh, no, I can um, I can do one out of the gate. Um, yeah, go ahead. Certainly, in, in in again in anatomical positions that you certainly wouldn't advocate anybody doing just outside of the gym for picking up a box or something like that. Um, even in the gym, you know, there's certain. Again, rules that you're supposed to follow as far as you know for for optimal safety, you know, spinal safety and all that type yeah, of thing. Yeah. But um, to to be maximally strong in 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 all positions, certainly as as Phil probably understands, you know, from a strongman's perspective, um, that's important because I had it once explained to me that you know it's good actually once in a while to train deadlifts in kind of bad form technique um, because then. Inevitably, if you look at max deadlifts in a, in a powerlifting competition, I mean, you know, on the third attempts at the end of the day, I mean, you know, all the deadlifts pretty much are looking like shit. You know what I mean? And, and the thing is, if your form ever does fail you, I think you always want your body to be structurally strong enough um, to prevent injury 
when things do go south, technique-wise, you know what I mean? You want your body to be maximally powerful and, and structurally strong and have integrity in different all different types of movements. Because, um, you know, like if you're in the bottom of a squat, first, I mean, I remember the first time I ever tried a squat suit, and I, you know, I was goofing around the first workout, and I put 585 on the bar, and I went down, and um, the guy that was coaching me kept saying, you know, make sure you sit back more, right? Sit back more because because you need to sit back more in a suit, you know, or else it's going to shoot your ass out and straighten your legs way too soon that you're coming out of the hole. And, of course, being a guy who's in Olympic squatter for years and years and years, yeah, 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 I'll sit back, yeah, 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 I'll sit back. You know, I'll emphasize it, sure. And I went down with 585, and I literally almost right at the bottom of the hole, freaking my knees straightened out, and I, I assumed a, almost a perfect freaking good morning position. <laughs> Punched over with 585. That felt good. That felt good. And I came yeah. up, and, and I still made it up with 585 on my back, and I remember there was the guy that was coaching me and his friend, and they were both pretty seasoned powerlifters, and they were both looking at me with this look on my face, and I put the bar back, and, and the one guy said, you know what? He says, that's, that's the shittiest squat I've ever seen. And then his friend said, you know what? He said, he said it is, but it was at the same time one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. And the take-home message from that is if things go south and you got a shitload of weight on you, you want your body to have as much integrity as possible to, 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 you know, to get out of it and not hopefully not be injured. So the long story about this is I, I would never say to a, um, a beginner – you know, to train themselves in positions that we all know to be slightly dangerous, even even very heavy good morning type positions or, you know, twisted kind of positions. But certainly for somebody who's a seasoned lifter and can understand the difference between, you know, um, sensing different types of pain, whether it's being injurious pain or just, you know, beneficial pain and discomfort and that type of thing, you can make those calls. You can make those judgment calls on, you know, how far is too far when you're kind of painting outside the lines kind of a thing. There's my story. Cool. I like it. Cool. Well, I'll, I'll just I'll just uh I'll just name one uh real quick, uh a little violation that that I routinely make and I'm sure you guys do as well, which is I always tell people don't train in pain. And uh guess what, man? I train in pain sometimes. No, so there's one. But I think that kinda of goes to what I'm saying too, don't you, Charles? The whole concept of when you're seasoned, you kind of know how far you can push it, you know, and still kind of stay within the framework of, like, not completely suffering catastrophic injury. Whereas if you've been only training for a few yeah. years, even several years, I think I think that's completely out of your kind of jurisdiction of understanding. I don't think you really are going to really know the difference in kind of how far is too far. Yeah, I think I think you can make a case for that. Yeah, uh, Brian, what do you got? Well, I was just going to say... Uh, I do I do a lot of things differently to the way my clients would um, do things and they and they even if, if I happen to be training in the gym in the gym myself and they see me training and be like But Brian, you said to do it this way like it could be of any sort of an exercise and they'd be like, Well, I'm training it for a different reason or like if I'm training some sort of a press for explosive power or if I'm doing something they'd they'd see the difference in the technique whereas I'd be I'd be doing it for explosive power whereas they're doing it from a different point of view, they might be doing it for aesthetics or muscle building, or they'd be doing different rep ranges, and you know, there'd be a lot of different exercises that I that like. You know, you change the rules for yourself, or change the rules for an athlete that you would for it could be the same movement, but using it differently, or using it differently in a in a different arrangement with the, with other exercises, and you know, it's that that sort of thing that um, that, that I do a lot would be you know, changing it you now for different purposes, and I know all of you would do that too, like different movements for different. 
people like them. You know, so it works out for every for for every aspect of it. You know. Oh yeah, I mean, oh, mine. It's tough because literally everything I do, most people shouldn't. Uh, <laughs> but <I'm, laughs> the thing is, the thing is, I'm built. The, the thing that like clients don't realize, and we have to explain from day one when they come in here, is from the age of seven, I have been constructed into something that isn't quite human. So <laughs> I've, I've, <laughs> I've got a totally different hip structure that was broken in sixteen places and taped back together, and this and that. So I mean. You know, coming off the top of my head, I mean, I'll give a training one and a diet one. It's, you know, I'm a big advocate of squatting parallel or lower at least all the time. And yet, clients see me training, I'm squatting about three, four inches above parallel. And it's it's through me knowing myself, and I now have a degenerative hip that has no cartilage. I, that's how far I can go with no pain. So I'm squatting there. And that goes back to what I was saying about, you know, by design. You know, people with clients exactly. would see you or and they wouldn't realize necessarily that you're 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 doing that by design. You know, that's a yeah. that's a conscious, educated, you know, choice that you've made to do that. You're not just yeah. you know, either A wimping out or B you don't know what you're what you're doing. Yeah. Um and that's a distinction that a lot of again, like um rookies need to understand. In my gym there's this kind of trend for everybody to be all these young guys to be bench pressing and you know stopping the bar you know several inches before touching the chest i don't know what that's yeah. all about um you know if i and i've brought it up with a couple of them and they've said oh well we, we've seen you doing the same thing you know when you're when you're on the floor doing your you know on the floor the bar stops and i'm like well i'm doing four presses and the same thing um to what you're saying, phil i mean it, they don't get it that it's by design i'm working it by design i'm not just yeah. you know just randomly exactly. choosing to do that, you know, because um, you're changing, you know, m- maybe prioritizing certain, you know, part of the stroke or whatever, or the range of motion or something like that. So, um, and I mean, yeah, and my other young- stuff, you know, diet based. You know, I tell all my clients that you know you should be eating mainly base your intake on lots of you know veggies and and meats and fats, and then you know tack on their goal wise. If I were to eat that way, I'd be like. 185 pounds. Yeah. I mean, I'm cramming in a lot of junk, but again, it's by design. Um, and I think what Charles was touching on earlier, you know, with the food log, stuff like that is a huge one. I mean, that's, I was overweight at one point, and that, that's what it took. I spent like five years where all I did was really concentrate on nutrition. And I learned, I mean, I could spout off damn near every food in 100 gram portions, what the calorie intake was, what the carbohydrates, blah, 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 blah. I mean, and it's that learning experience, and I know, you know, one thing that Jim Windler's talked about is, you know, people have all these questions, what's the perfect routine, what should I do first? And he's like, just train for 10 years, and then start changing crap up. You need to just get time under your belt. And one of the things I always pushed um, where I was prior was everybody, it seems that everybody new to this feels they have the right to and they need to design their own program. Yeah. And they don't know a damn thing. I tell people, you know, the first two, three years of training at least, there's you, you've got the Internet right here in front of you. You've got 10,000 coaches. Do one of those. Have somebody write you something or do a pre-written program and learn. Write down notes the whole time for those two to three years. And after that time, you're going to have to start to have your own little toolbox if you know what works. And at least you've been doing something sane instead of, whatever crap that you come up with your head that doesn't know you. I mean, you don't know anything. Why do you expect to be able to, to write yourself a program? Yeah. 
So, I mean, you need a combination of, you know, the, the, the technical, you know, know-how of, again, how to, bio, you know, uh, mechanically perform all the individual exercises. But, I mean, I think that the art form mostly comes in the program design. I think you guys would probably agree. I mean, there really is an art to that. Um, and then it becomes even more convoluted when you're looking at the art um, as it applies to, indivi- you know, individuals and what works best for them. And again, that just takes time. So going to what you're saying, yeah, I mean, pick a very rudimentary basic thing and then work it for several years, you know, and don't even think outside the box at that point. Just kind of, you know, become, you know, um, a technician with the actual movement, you know, and then when you kind of start understanding yourself and how things apply to, you know, um, best serving your your ultimate athletic goals and so forth, then you can start kind of, um, again, kind of becoming more of an artist, right, and the artist kind of, it, it certainly in, in in ways of designing a program and putting one together. Yeah. Um, I do have one question here for Brian. Lee in the United Kingdom. Lee in the United Kingdom says, "Hi, Brian. Can you explain why you are known as Jeds by many? J E D S. Oh, Jeds. <laughs> it's a. Uh, well, I guess I was being called Jedi." For a long time, and then that got shortened to Jeds <laughs> in Star Wars. Gotcha. gotcha. And Ian is Yoda. <laughs> he's older than me, that's all. Not because he's better than me, because he's older. Gotcha. I think that definitely when Lonnie's on next next week or whatever, we should resurrect this, to, certainly for maybe just a few minutes to see what, what Lonnie has to say about some yeah, of the things. Yeah, for sure. We can bring up both of them, actually. And, uh, yeah, because I think he Lonnie said, hey, actually, he had a couple uh, things he wanted to mention about the alcohol consumption. But uh, yeah. anyway, uh, I, I, I do want to mention, though, uh, before the end of the show, because we're running, kind of running out of time, I do want to mention that we do have that summer contest that's going on where uh, Lonnie's got his hands on a couple, like, um, badass um, textbooks, uh, I think physiology textbooks or something like some such thing. They're brand new, and um, these are really nice books. And he's uh, got two of them, so we're going to give one away this month and next month. So um, for all of June for this month, um, people just call in 206-203-3798. That number is 206-203-3798, and share your... Uh, kind of your biggest nutrition blunders and uh, maybe how you fixed it and tell us a funny story. Tell us something outrageous and and, and if we think yours is the most outrageous or funny or worthy of uh, winning, then you get one of these textbooks. So go for that. Um, I just want to go in and thank Brian again for coming and just tell everybody to to go check him out. Go on Facebook and, you know, friend him. It's B-R-Y-N. K A V A N A G H. Um, then you can go to the same name at dot com, com or check out their their ABS system, www.athleticbodysystem.com. Uh, dot com. It's all one word. Brian, thanks a lot for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me as well. It was great fun, and I, I learned a little bit myself there as well. And I, I always like listening to like-minded people and learning myself and as well as educating others as well so it was very enjoyable thanks again guys yeah great do me a Brian. favor do me a favor and like bring in a dozen donuts or whatever Ian's favorite food is favorite bad food and bring it in at the, the worst time possible when he's really cutting down and tell him it's from me I'll pay you back <laughs> 
Will do. So he he needs <laughs> it at the moment because he's 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 on a fairly a fairly bulk big bulking cycle at the moment now. He's um he's got four abs instead of six at the moment. So uh, okay, well let's just wait till he's like he's, wait he's them up. Wait till like two days before a photo shoot or something, and and bring it in. <laughs> He'd eat them as well, you know that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but thanks a lot, everybody, and we'll see everybody Piggy, next week. Piggy ruined the photo shoot. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.